Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. As usual, I'm pleased to be joined by Greg Evans, the Aston Villa writer for The Athletic, but we've got a very, very special episode for you today, a bumper episode, I would say. Plenty coming up, so let's go through what's on the agenda. On this week's episode, we'll be joined by Villa legend Gabby Abbonlahor, who is raising funds for the NHS Charities Together Fund by raffling off a very special match-worn shirt of his. Myself and Greg will be discussing some memorable Abon Lahore moments, as well as taking a closer look at current player Courtney Hawes and his unique fundraising plans. We'll also reveal our Player of the Year nominations ahead of this Sunday, when The Athletic will be hosting a Premier League awards night. Our writers and podcast hosts have voted across a number of categories, and from 7pm on Sunday, we will be announcing the winners. Shortlists have been announced every day on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. On Tuesday, it was the Young Player of the Year, featuring Jack Grealish. Wednesday, it was the Underrated Player. Thursday will be the team of the year. Then on Friday, you can hear the shortlist for the main award, the men and women's player of the season. So that's a new show every day of the week on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And to find out the winners on Sunday night, make sure you subscribe and download the Athletic app. Go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of our 90-day free trial. Alongside Grealish on the Young Player of the Year list is Marcus Rashford, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham and James Madison. No question about the winner then, Greg. Nope, we'll be voting for Jack Grealish in these ends, won't we, Dan? Yep, that's already gone in from me, so he's, he's got a decent chance. He knows he's got a couple of votes already. Before all that, let's hear from an Aston Villa legend, record Premier League goalscorer. Greg's been speaking to Gabby Abbonlahor on what inspired him to help out the NHS with some Villa talk thrown in as well. Right, so Gabby, are you fitting well now? Can you just talk us through your, your own struggles with coronavirus last month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on it, I think it was um, 15th of March I had it, so 25th of March I was fine. Yeah, it, it, it's it's weird, mate. It's like, when I had it, like, I felt like I'd played 120 minutes every time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that feeling, that feeling of, like, yeah, fatigue. My legs are hurting like they do after I used to play football games. I'm like... What's happening to me here? Do you know what I mean? It's a weird, weird feeling. Like I've never had it in my life before. Never, never had anything like it in my life before. Even the flu, um, it's never, never been like ten percent, like ten percent of what this was. It's crazy. The day before I felt better, I um, I went in the garden and I think it was only like eleven degrees, but it felt like it was like twenty-five degrees. I had no top on. I was like, I was thinking I was in the sun, but it was only, <laughs> everyone was saying on my Instagram, like, Alan Hutton and stuff was saying, what are you doing? It's freezing. I'm like, oh, is it? Like, there's me thinking, like, it's sunny, but it it's wasn't. Crazy, isn't it? But because I was so hot in my body, I didn't feel the cold outside. That makes sense. The mental side of things as well, being, being alone and being away from people that you, who you care about and who you're close with, it, was that quite hard as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be, I think to be that long on your own, you know, you like players are probably when we've been playing, they've been away on pre-season tours and stuff. But you're you, you're not on your own. Do you know what I mean? You've got all the players around you. So to spend like nearly six weeks alone, yeah, it's yeah, it's testing. But in my mind, I'm thinking like there's a lot more people worse off than me. You know, like you've got the people on the front line. So um, it wasn't something I'd complain about, but. With like mental health, definitely it's a it's a test being on your own for that long. You know what I mean? I think I was sick and tired looking at myself in the mirror <laughs> after after three weeks and talking to myself. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah. um, so to finally have someone to talk to, yeah, it's good. Yeah, but like I said, it's not something that I'd wish upon my worst enemy, that um, coronavirus, because it's like it's it's worse than what people um probably expect. Yeah, really. And, and obviously you, you're doing something to, to help raise funds for the NHS now. I mean, can you just talk us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, um, I've already donated, but um, I was sitting there and thinking, like, um, what's the best way that I can um, raise money? And in my mind, I thought it's really tough times for everyone at the moment, you know, with, like, people being um, sacked, basically, haven't they? People have lost their jobs. Um, people's wages have gone down. They've been furloughed. So I thought to myself, if I'm going to try and raise some money through... Um, like don't like raising a raffle or something. I was thinking the best way of doing it to um, raise some money would be why not do something like my Aston Villa, one of my Aston Villa tops that I've got at home that would mean a lot to me, but would mean a lot to fans to try and win. So I thought to myself, why not um, the last derby I scored in and um, I played in, um, the 1-0 in um, 2017, that shirt that I wore, why not um, donate that to um, charity for the NHS? Because I thought to myself, it might be something that Villa fans would would want, you know, the chance to like hang up in their house. And um, it's a memorable shirt, isn't it? But I spoke to my friend about it, um, an agent guy, and he said, like, the best way to do it would be do, like, a raffle. So I thought to myself, yeah, that's right, because... It's hard times for everyone. You're not going to get um, a good amount of money for the shirt during this time, are you? Do you know what I mean? No one's going to pay thousands of pounds for like anything at the moment, are they? With um, the, the predicament everyone's going through. So why not do a raffle of £10 entry? Do you know what I mean? It gets you one entry. So if you say if you've done £100, it gets you 10 entries. So at least it's more easy for everyone to join. Do you know what I mean? If I've made it £10 for an entry, everyone can, more people can get involved, more people can... Um, um, donate and so far we've don't we, we've um, raised seven thousand just under seven thousand pounds which is a lot more than I thought it would be. I mean every two every day I've been lifting the target from two thousand to five thousand to seven thousand five hundred to ten thousand. You know just to just to keep it going hopefully um try and get into ten thousand with the help of like the likes of um yourselves, the media, um other players through Instagram. Um, and hopefully we can get there. And I think it's something that um, I, I think other players will do as well. I mean, I've spoke to a, um, a couple of other players who I think they're doing the same thing themselves. Because, yes, the shirts mean a lot to us, but if it's a chance of raising money for a, a time and a cause that um, the whole the whole country needs, isn't it? So it's more important sure. things out there. Yeah, and I think a lot of Villa fans aren't really aware of the the work that you've done with charities in the past. I remember, you know, the hard efforts that you used to put in, most notably through the work with with Acorns. Was yeah. this just a natural follow on for you? Then you know, something that you yeah, you I think, quite I think it, it, in the past though, like I've, I've donated money to charities, but it's not something that like you 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 have to. Do you know what I mean? You I have to tell there, people. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you yeah. like you do it behind closed doors, and people don't have to know. Like I donated money to before to um, Birmingham's Children's Hospital that I didn't tell anyone about like ten years ago. It's quite a large sum as well, but it's just something that you do behind closed doors and you don't have to tell people about. And I think even the buzz now of like doing this, I mean, I'm like a, a, an addict. Every second I'm checking on my on my links to see what it's gone up to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you know, you, it makes you feel good as well in yourself and like. You know, this money's going to go to a good cause, like if it's through the NHS or it's to uh, um, another hospital, say in Birmingham, that needs the more the money because they haven't got the equipment to help with coronavirus or they haven't got the staff. You know, 
I think I'll decide on um, Monday morning which is the best and the most needed like NHS um, hospital in Birmingham that needs it most. Okay, so that's that's your sort of deadline in your head Monday. Whatever you've got raised, then you'll you'll then. You'll yeah, so I'm gonna, to what I'm going to do is well, I'm going to have a busy Sunday because I'm going to have to be, um, I'm going to write. That. <laughs> I think that's over four hundred people, four hundred people that have um, donated. So I'm going to yep. have to write at least four hundred people's names down and put them in a the hat. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have fun. a busy day, and my writing's not very good either. So I'm gonna have a busy day Sunday trying to. I'll be um, picking a name out. I want better to read the name, so I'm gonna have to get do my best handwriting and um, yeah, get all that done for the live draw. I'll do it on Sunday evening. The live you're draw. gonna do it an Instagram live draw or something? Yeah, like that. I'll do Instagram yeah. live. Probably about seven pm, maybe. You know, when everyone's probably like um, in their house, you know, um, on their phone, sort of evening time, and not um, cool. out exercising. We'll look forward to that one then. And, and then just the shirt itself, obviously it means a lot to you. It was the, the last goal you scored against Birmingham City. And, you know, you, you scored five, I think, five goals against Blues over your career. Is that yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah. Would that have been your favourite one or was there another one? Um, you know what? It, it, it's not my favourite, but it probably meant the most because of the, the rubbish time I had um, before that, you know. It was documented well, wasn't it? Everyone knows that I went through a rough patch um, on and off the field. So to be given that chance by um, Steve Bruce, you know, he gave me the chance um, St. Andrews where I wasn't really up to fitness, but he put me in there, you know, and I'll come on and I, I managed to like kick a few, but um, I think he finished nil-nil, didn't it? But then to, to get that chance again, I think I had an injury as well. I remember I think I'd done my calf and I was, in, I was rushing back and then, just the way the game went, you know, it was quite a dull affair, wasn't it? There was no tackles, there was no shots, really, was there? It was, it didn't feel like a derby. Then, when he got, when he, when he said to me, "Come on, you coming on?" I just tried to like kick a few, um, raise the atmosphere in the stadium, and then I always thought in my head, you know what? This is just meant to be, you know, for me to score against these again. And um, yeah, I just think that was my favourite, but and the most important, but. My favourite would have to be my first, no, my second one at St Andrews because the first one was a bit like, yeah, it's massive, but you didn't really, you wasn't really known. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't really known to Birmingham City fans or fans. And then the second yeah. one I scored, it was like everyone hated me. Oh no, St. it's you Andrews. again, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. You scored again, you've done it again in the same end, and it's like that was my favourite one because. The, the amount of upset I give fans and the amount of excitement I give um, Villa fans in that um, away end. Just talk us through that feeling when you score then. I mean, you say the second one was your favourite, but presumably that the feeling of actually scoring, you know, the euphoria, the first one must have meant uh, quite a lot to you as well. Because if I'm right, you, you actually kept a, you actually kept one out from Ridgewell, didn't you, at the other end just before yeah. that? Yeah. goes Barry. Joru, it's blocked by Luke Moore. Now Ashley Young. Great cross, Agbon Lahore touch! Four minutes to go, and this time Aston Villa might have won it. And it's a lifelong Aston Villa supporter. Who having... The feeling's hard to describe. I mean, when you score any goal, you know, you, the the buzz is like, all right, let me check the linesman. 
let me check this. You know what I mean? Like, make sure the goal's gone in before you start to go crazy. But when you're scoring a game that means so much, I remember, like, the first one, um, just even getting off the bus at the ground, you just feel the sort of, like, you feel it in your body, the tension, the, the little bit of nervousness, the, the, the feeling of, like, you can't lose this game. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how to, to, to explain, maybe when you've watched like the, the film Gladiator and you're in the Coliseum and you you can't lose because you're dead. Do you know what I mean? You're like, it's got that feeling of like, you can't lose to them. Like, you don't like them. You you hate them. Your fans hate them. It means that much to your fans, your family, friends. You can't lose that game. So when you take that onto the field, it's like, you can run more. It's weird. You can... You can, you can tackle harder, you can sprint faster and I think that's what happened in that game. I remember I had a few chances as well I missed and when that finally went in, I was just like the feeling like, I remember running into the crowd and the referee afterwards saying look what you've done, you've, 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 there's a steward on the floor because of you you know, it's just that, that adrenaline it's like, it's hard to explain, your body's shaking you're 10 minutes afterwards, the goal went in, you're still out of breath from the celebration, never mind the, the running, do you know, like it's hard to explain the adrenaline. I think if you ask Jack Grealish, like he will, he'll tell you the same. It's hard to explain. You just, even after the game in the changing room, you've got your head down and you're like, wow, wow, I've scored, I've scored the winner against these. You know that millions of Villa fans across the world are going to be like jumping up and down. You know, you know, just that feeling of like the whole of Birmingham's on lockdown, the pubs are closed, you know, like, everyone's got to watch it at home sort of thing or at the stadium and you just, I don't know, it's just hard to explain. Yeah, it's, it sounds an amazing feeling to be, you know, yeah, that guy who has, who has, mate, who's like, decided, you know, that such a special and important game. Um, exactly, and to go back and do it a couple of years later, the exact same part of the stadium, you know, that that's why that was my best one. It's like, they're probably thinking to themselves, this little shit's come and done it again. Like, they've ruined the next six months of their life before they can play us again. Do you know what I mean? It's just, honestly, just a, just a crazy feeling, especially away from home. I think, like, anyone who scores in the derby away from home, it's just a better feeling because you've got the small section of away fans who are, like, going crazy, you know? You've got um, Blues fans throwing stuff at you. You've got the coach home back to Villa Park, we were getting stuff thrown at the bus, rocks, you had players hiding under the tables, you know, like just the whole start to end of the day, it's just something that I'll never forget, you know, I've been telling my grandkids about it, my kids about it forever, it's like unbelievable. Was there a time after, after that second goal then, did you start to sort of develop quite a special feeling when you lined up against Blues and did you always feel like you were going to be a threat and, a, and, 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 you know, probably get a goal. Yeah, it was just, it's just you know, when you scored that many goals against them, like, it, it's, you know, in their heads as players and as fans, they're going to be like, oh no, here he is again. Because I remember, like, I scored the first one, the second one, then, not the first one, didn't I? Then I scored the second one in a 5-1. Then yeah, I scored the, park, the third one away. <clears throat> then I scored against them in a cup, didn't I, when we lost. Yeah. And, um, they just think in their heads they're probably for oh no, and then when I got to play them in the in my last goal, I bet like they were thinking when I come on oh no, in because it's natural, isn't it? Blues fans will be thinking like oh no, here he is, and then for it to happen a fifth time, do you know what I mean? They probably thought that like I was finished. If that makes sense from like the 
the year I had before that, they would never have thought, oh no, he's going to come and score again. So I just think like it was it was a game where I always knew that I was scoring and I always knew how much it meant to fans, you know, and when you're a Villa fan like myself from from um, birth, you know, it's from watching games before I started playing, you know, even the one that's in my head of the Dion Dublin getting sent off against Savage, you know, Savage, for the headboard. Yeah. It's something that you, you you watch them and you think, you know what, when I play, it's something that I want to do. Do you know what I mean? If I get sure, a chance sure. to, kick, to, kick, to kick someone in that game, I'm going to do it. And I think it's just um, Villa had some like bad results in there against Blues, like before like my start, era yeah, as well. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? So like, so like for me to obviously start playing in 2006 and then get them wins against them, it was just something that like um, I'll never forget, and I don't think Villa fans will forget either. What did Brucey say to you, Gabby, about um, when he was Villa manager? Because obviously he scored against him a couple of times. <laughs> you know what? He didn't, really he didn't have to say anything about it. But but um, I think the, the thing about Bruce was that um, because it was such a long time since he was Birmingham City manager, it wasn't something that I'd say probably 90% of Villa fans were too bothered about. Me, I wasn't bothered about it. Um, when McLeish came in, I was, um, I was really angry about it. But... That was because he'd come the season. He just took Blues down and come to Villa, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? In the space of a month. But with Bruce, it was sort of a longer time, wasn't it? And um, there was no, it was never spoken about. It was sort of forgotten, if that makes sense. And he showed from the first day and even the first derby to even give me a chance because I wasn't 100% fit to even put me on the bench. Showed that his alliances were changed to Villa. Do you know what I mean? He wanted to win as much as as the players wanted to win. Yeah, sure. I mean, did did, did, it, did he know that sort of those games really got you going though? That's what I mean. Did, did I mean, did yeah, he ever mention that? 100%. Yeah. I remember the, the, the first one under Bruce and I actually asked him, sort of begged him, can I come as part of the the squad? Obviously, I wasn't going to be involved, but I said to him, can I just come on the coach, be with the players? You know, I thought my presence in the stadium would be, do you know what I mean? Um, would put Blues off sort of thing. And I would have been sitting in the, um, where the, the players who aren't playing would have been sitting. So that would have been a bit um, messy. But then I remember um, in the changing room, just before he was going to name the team, he changed his mind. And um, he swapped me for Andre Green and put me on the bench. And um, Andre Green missed out. Okay. So I think it was something that like he knew what it meant to me and what it meant to players. So he thought to himself, let me get a local lad on, on the bench. And then, um, yeah, so that that's that's what um, it meant to, to him as well. And he knew what it meant to players. Yeah, I think I remember that game because you were injured running up to it, weren't you? And there was a lot of hype in the press of, of whether you were going to be fit or not, whether you were going to feature. Yeah. And I think I remember myself writing quite heavily about it, saying, you know, we'll, I remember, we'll yeah, I remember a few and... days before I was devastated when he said, you're not going to be involved. Honestly, I was like <laughs> close to tears. I was like, you're joking me. Like, you can't do this to me. Do you know what I mean? That's why I yeah. come to the stadium. And then my plan worked, didn't it? Because he, he probably seen me there in the change room before the game started and thought, you know what, let me get him on the bench. And then, yeah, unluckily we didn't win, but we we didn't lose. And obviously, a fair bit's changed since you've left. Now, what what do you make of the current team? And do you think if do you think they'll stay up if football does re- return back to normal? Um, I think I think with um, the current team, you know, it was it was always going to be tough. I think anyone who any Villa fan who said it was going to be easy to stay up would have been lying. You know, you 
you're bringing in players and a team who have limit on like limited Premier League experience, don't they? Do you know what I mean? A lot of players have come from different leagues. A lot of players haven't played in the Premier League before. So it's always going to be a test. And it's been a test for six, seven other teams, hasn't it? That probably would have, yeah, been, they would have been down there. And if you said to me, Villa will be in where they are now, I would have took it at the start of the season with in, in with a chance to stay up and in a chance of it being in their own hands. You know, they've got an extra game. Um, so the Villa have got 10 games, haven't they? So it's in their hands. So that's what anyone would want it to be in your hands. If they go out there and get the right amount of wins that I think they'll need, maybe five, maybe six, maybe. Because I still think all the teams down there are going to get wins as well. Do you know what I mean? I think Watford have picked up, haven't they? West Ham can get wins. I think Bournemouth and Brighton can get wins. So I actually think they can stay up. I think if I was Dean Smith at the moment, I would be like speaking to the players every couple of days and telling them, just drilling it into their head. When we start, whatever date we're given to start, we've got 10 cup finals. Do you know what I mean? If we can if we can, if we can, approach these games as 10 cup finals, whatever the first game is, I'm not sure, it's a cup final. You don't lose that game. It don't matter if it's Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool away. You go into these games to win. You're not going to these games to draw. You're not thinking, all right, we can't win that game, we can win this one. Because all the other teams down there will be thinking, we can beat anyone. Look at Watford. They beat Liverpool, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? You've got, you've, I think you've got to go into every game thinking like you, you, you need to win every game. They've got more than enough quality. I mean, they're going to have McGinn back. I can imagine McGinn's going to be back fresh. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Jack rested have, um, a little bit up as well. Do you know what I mean? Jack's yeah, going to be rested. Anyone with knocks mm. is going to be fresh. You know, maybe even luckily, you never know, Tom Heater might be back. You, you don't know, do you? Um, like how, how injuries are going behind the, the doors. But hopefully they'll have um, everyone back fit, rested. And then um, the only thing that's scaring me is that I'm hearing that maybe the season will be done behind closed doors. For me, that's not fair because I made the example earlier in the week when I spoke to someone about Villa have played. Chelsea away. Chelsea have had a full stadium of Chelsea fans. Villa have got to play Chelsea at home without 42,000 Villa fans who might be the key to getting them a result. For instance, I went to the Watford game at um, Villa Park and the fans got Villa to win. Not the players, the fans got Villa to win. The fans stuck with them when they went 1-0 down. They stuck with them. They were singing all game. They were uh, um, giving them positive energy and they got them over the line. Do you know what I mean? So to take that away from a team that probably needs their fans, for me, it's not a good thing. So I'll be, I'll be fingers crossed, praying that Villa, um, that they can continue the season with fans in the stadium. And I watched the Dortmund PSG game live on TV. And it was weird. I couldn't even watch it to be <laughs> honest. It was like what? It's like it's like a, like the old school reserve team games when I was a kid. Like. <laughs> You know, like not many people turning up and it's like you can hear yourself speak, you need the coaches speak. I think it's going to be whoever adapts to that the best as well. Does that make sense? Definitely, definitely. It won't be um, something that'll be nice for the players. I've spoke to you so many times, Gabby, over the years, but I don't think I've ever asked you this. Just, just final one for me. Was there ever a chance that you were close to leaving? You know, were there ever any really serious options that you had? You know what? There were there were serious options. Yeah, there was. Um, it was a season Martin left. I think it was maybe. Okay. And um, 
Spurs. I was close to um, Spurs, going to Spurs. But at the time, I said to myself, "Why?" when I sat down, Major, we, we said, like, yes, Spurs, big, big club, good club, but you're at Villa, you're... Do you know what I mean? You're in a team every week. You get into England squads. It's your home team, sporty team. Spurs are on par with Aston Villa at the time. Just maybe a bit ahead, maybe. Why would you really want to... Do you know what I mean? They've got probably four world-class strikers. You're not going to be guaranteed to start. Your love for Aston Villa. So it was like, nah, it's not even an option. Do you know what I mean? It was like, no, straight away. I, 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 yeah, I nicked that in the, bud, in, in the bud sort of thing. Like It wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't an option for me. <laughs> and and that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's like, like, why would you want to move sideways? At that of time, course, it was yeah. a sideways move. You know what I mean? And, and like, um, obviously, I was enjoying my time at Villa, my boyhood club. I was playing every game. So I thought, like, no, it's not, it's not something that I'm going to do. After that, I think it was the the summer after we went down. When, um, oh, Mateo, just before Dimitri came in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think it was the time like Remy Garda, Di Matteo time, um, and West Brom. <laughs> really? Were, um, yeah, yeah, West Brom were. Um, no way. Yeah, West Brom wanted me. Um, oh my god! When Pulis was there. So what? What, wow, season was, really? what season was? Yeah, Pulis was there. What season was that? 2016-17. Is that when Pulis was at West Brom? Uh, that was the season Villa was starting in the Championship, yeah. At that time, Craig Gardner was at West at Brom. Albion, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going through a rough time at Villa, you know, and um, yeah, so Tony Pulis was um, wanting me to come there. And you just didn't fancy it in the end, or? Nah, you know what? It, it was a time where, like, these, these are my, like, biggest rivals, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest rivals. It's a rivals. brave move, <laughs> I've, I've scored so much against them, you know, like, <laughs> their, their fans don't like me sort of thing. They're... they're I'll say after Birmingham City, they're the next one, aren't they? Before Wolves, probably. And and like, um, yeah, I just remember Tony Pulis and his assistant. They um, they 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 wanted me to come, but I don't know. It was just even though I was going through a rough time at Villa, you know, some Villa fans had turned against me, sort of thing. It was just something I just couldn't do, you know. Yeah, I think of um, yeah, it was just something that I couldn't do. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that that one was um, cancelled. Really interesting that, Greg. It was actually something I'd not not really thought about too much, the advantage of having already played away somewhere for, for teams and then having to come and play in an empty stadium. I think it's fair to say we agree with what Gabby says there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, you know, it's a bit of an old cliche, isn't it? Football doesn't exist without fans. But, you know, it, it really does sort of hammer home how important supporters are. Uh, and I think I think Gabby's right there, you know, with, with Villa... The, the thing that's going to get them over the line if football does return, you know, back back to back to normal, is is the supporters. They can act as that twelfth man and and just help Villa because, you know, there he mentioned there that the game against Watford and you know when Villa scored in the last minute and and it was it was it, it was a, it was a collective effort it felt from from the supporters and the players and if there are no supporters in stadiums, it's going to go against Villa. Okay, we all we all want football to get back to normal. Um, you know, and we're all desperate for football to get back as well, you know, however it may be. But I just believe, and, and, and I think you're the same, that that fans need to be in there, don't they? 
Yeah, I think you look at last season as well when we went on that 10-game run. Obviously, the players were on superb form at the time as well, but it was that togetherness. It was the fans were getting them through games at the end when things were tight. And if we could just get everyone on the same hymn sheet, the Villa fans can can be a massive advantage. I mean, first and foremost, obviously, we we need to see what's going to happen in the world and and then football secondary to to that for us. But I, I really agree with what you're saying. And I wouldn't like there to be games at Villa Park without me being able to be there from a selfish point of, point of view as well. And I'm sure if, I mean, you'll probably be allowed in there anyway, won't you? You're covering stuff. But do you know what I mean? You, you want the fans there. There's people that, that go every week home in a way that go on, go on little runs and have been to consecutive games. You, you just want everyone that wants to be there to get a chance to be there. Let's wait and see what happens in terms of that. But... Um, you know, fair play to Gabby as well for donating towards some funds towards the NHS and obviously raffling off his, uh, you know, much loved last goal scoring jersey against Birmingham City. And I think think a couple of the other players are joining in various various initiatives, aren't they? Yeah, I've seen players giving away boots. Villa Villa players as a boots initiative in there. John Terry's giving away his whole house by the by the looks of his eBay page at the moment there's there was a lot of shirts and boots and stuff sitting sitting in that house before all this went down but so just just talking about that shirt obviously that was his his last derby goal quite quite fitting really that that was one of his last goals at Villa Park because he did do the damage against Blues so many times but also surprised to learn that he nearly left a couple of times as well Greg yeah interesting really because that one sort of sneaked away from us in in, in the media at the time so t- 2016 when, when Villa were relegated I mean you know as Gabby says there moving to West Bromwich Albion it wasn't something that he fancied but it, it certainly was an option for him I mean I can't actually imagine him playing in a blue and white shirt it seemed I can't imagine him playing in any other shirt other than the Villa one let alone a West Brom one so um Look, he, he, his issues around the club were well documented at the time, so um, you know that that was obviously an avenue that he was um, that, that was offered to him. But fair play to him; he stuck around and wanted to fight for his place at Villa. Yeah, to be fair to him, if he had a, if he had a made that move, he wouldn't be in the position to give away the shirt that he's given away now because he wouldn't have played in that <laughs> Good game. Point, he, got, that, yeah. he, he, he hung in there, didn't he? He hung in there and, and outlasted Di Matteo, got another chance under Bruce, and he scored what was a memorable and important goal. But like you say, seeing him at West Brom, I mean, he's not the most popular man with all the other Midlands teams, a bit like Jack Grealish now, the, the other Midlands teams and the sets of fans, they really weren't keen on Gabby. So it would have been weird to seeing him see him turn out, turn out for another Midlands team in particular. But what about the Spurs one as well? Because you f- sometimes you can forget how, how good he was and how dangerous he was in the Martin O'Neill times at Aston Villa. I mean, Villa were competing with Spurs pretty much at that point. That, that would have been a, been a difficult loss to take at the time, especially off the back of a load of players that had gone the summers previous as well. Yeah, well, I think I think that's something that you know frustrated frustrated Gabby as well. Seeing a lot of the best players moving on every single yeah, year. Yeah, I was know, going to ask you he, about that. He, he he would have you know he would have been in that brilliant team of sort of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and and Villa in a position really there where they should have gone on and strengthened, but instead they just kept losing players. You know, first it was Gareth Barry, then James Milner, and it's just unfortunately it's just been a, a habit, um, you know, an an, an unwelcome sort of. Uh, pattern that has that's happened over the years, isn't it? We could stem it all the way back to the nineties, you know, when Bosnich left, Ehiog left, yeah. Dwight York left, and and, and others. Um, it's you know, Gabby Bonhall would have been one of these players that would have seen it firsthand because he was there for so long. So again, Tottenham, you know, it, it was a as he says there, he looked at that as a sidewards move, and you know, for some of our younger listeners now, that they might think, wow, Tottenham and Aston Villa, you know, they're miles apart, but yeah. it just shows that it just shows how much has changed over a decade because 
at that point, you know, they they were very similar teams, both fighting for top the top four, five, six positions in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think after that, bar a couple a couple of seasons, I think he had a very good season in Lambert's first season. He kind of he kind of fell away, and I think that's a valid point that, that you say. I think the change with Villa, along with injuries, that caught up with him a little bit in the second half of his Villa career was nowhere near as successful as the first half of his career. Where where do you think he sits in terms of legend status with Villa? Because I think I'm I'm quite guilty of this of sometimes thinking more about the end of his time at Villa rather than what he actually did at the start because he was he was unplayable at times and under O'Neill and I actually think he should have had way more England caps than he did have as well. Yeah, I agree with you on the England front. You know, he was he was he was there for a for a spell, wasn't he? And then just sort of faded away. I mean maybe a ma- as, as harsh as it might sound, maybe a move away might have done him better. You just never yeah. know. To be fair, when when he was in the England squad, Villa were you know one of the top five or six clubs in, in the country. So you know maybe not. But um, I, I think he's right up there to be honest, especially in terms of modern history. Because look, he's, he's the leading Premier League goal scorer. He's got five goals against Birmingham City, which have left fans with absolutely unbelievable memories. Yeah, um, some of the best. And and you know, and he was a vital part of a team. That, that that were very very good and and almost very successful, um, so yeah okay the end didn't go well for him and he's the first to admit that he's the first to admit that the last few years you know he he had issues he had problems that you know his football suffered because of that yeah but I think looking back on those early years early to middle years I think he was excellent and um, maybe that can be tarnished a little bit because of the the the, the way it ended. Yeah, I think his Premier League goal scoring record gets undersold a little bit as well because I think people look at the sheer volume of games he played compared to the goal ratio and say, oh, well, one in four, one in five. That's not brilliant, but I think people overlook he, he spent a lot of time on the, on the wing as well. He wasn't playing as, as a centre forward for, for a lot of those games. So I think looking back, I think he'd give it another decade or so. I think people will look back with really, really fun memories on, on Gabby and I think fair play to him for what he's doing with that shirt because that shirt must mean a lot to him and it's great to see him raising the money for the NHS. Someone else who's raising money for the NHS is Courtney Horsgreg. I don't know how much you, you've, you've heard or seen of this, but he's he's into his music and he's I think he's got a studio in his own house actually and he's recorded a track called Worth It and he's going to release it on Friday with all the proceeds going to the NHS as well. Have you heard the song? Yeah, listen to it. Yeah, got got a lovely voice as, as Courts, as, as, as his um, uh, stage name is known as. Um, so yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He's, he's one of the one of the players I really like, actually. I've spoke to him a couple of times this season after after games, and I think he comes across really well. It just seems a nice sort of down-to-earth lad. Um, obviously very passionate about his music as well as his football. Yeah, as you say, he's got a recording studio in his house. Um, and, and you know, music's a big part of his life as well. I think he like he sort of like likes to unwind and just relax to it. And obviously, during lockdown, he's had a lot of spare time. So fair play to him for also thinking of sort of creative ways to help raise funds for the NHS as well. I think I think it's good. You know, I think it's I think you, you got to take your hat after some of these footballers. Okay, they get a lot of stick because they earn um, they earn good money. But I mean, it's just it's it's just wrong in, in my view. You know, if if, if they want to. If they want to give something back, and they do, you know, fair play to them. So it's it's important, I think, um, from 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 us in the media that we give them, you know, the credit that they sometimes don't get. <clears throat> yeah, many of the nicest people I've met in my life have been professional footballers. So I think I think like you say, it's some of the, the stick that gets given around the money is, is very very harsh at times. I was just going to say, most people when they grow up, they want to be a footballer 
or a singer. And Courtney Hawes is doing both. <laughs> he's done both a, a, yeah. a, a, a talented lad. <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm never likely to do either. So he's he's done well there. Yeah, I think when he, you know, he grew up with, I think there was six or seven of them. Um, yeah, you know, I think he had, I think he had six or seven brothers, um, and yeah, I think they all liked them. Some, you know, they, they listened to music obviously regularly and played a bit of football. I think he's into like the likes of sort of the Usher and Boys to Men, and you know, oh, when yeah. he was younger, anyway, he's like, you know, he likes his R and B. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how his career develops as a musician <laughs> as well as a footballer. Yeah, he's still only younger, remember? He's, yeah, he's yeah. only twenty four years old two-pronged career I, was, I switched it on and I was just thinking I hope this is decent you had that do you remember <laughs> do you remember when uh Galini when he was at Villa decided to release a, a rap song and being honest Vaguely, it wasn't, yeah I think it was, the, I think the less said about that the better yeah it wasn't very good but I actually I actually liked Courtney's Courtney's song I, I thought it was good it's easy listening isn't it it's just yeah. uh it's nice and chilled um yeah, yeah. Won't be one I'll be putting on before I go out on a night out, but uh, no, something you can relax to. Maybe the players will listen to it in the in the dressing room to jam up when the when the football comes <laughs> back. Well, he's got to get in the team, hasn't he, for starters? Though I mean, he must have been very gutted that he missed out in, in the squad altogether for the for the cup final. So yeah, uh, you know, it'll be a it'll be a hopefully when when football returns, it'll be something that he'll be uh, you know looking to get back into as well. Yeah, anything you've got going on at the, the moment, Greg? Not in yeah, terms of so a music career, in terms of in terms of articles. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm always flat out and working on a couple of bigger projects at the moment. There's a story going out uh, this week about Jack Grealish um, and uh, why why I think he's the the player of the year. Um, and you know, there'll be a, there'll be a couple of other a couple of other things coming soon. We've got I've spoke to. An Aston Villa legend this week who uh, I will be writing up the interview at some point. So look out for that one. That's a, a very fun and entertaining one and someone that the modern Villa fans will be pleased to hear from, I'm sure. Any clues? Um, no, you'll have to sign no, up to The Athletic when it goes live. That's good. That's, 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 that's the way we like to do things on, on this podcast. You've touched on it there, that the, the player of the year. It's pretty obvious. I think every Villa fan w- would vote for the same. You've gone for Jack Grealish. Yeah, I just think that I just think that over the last sort of fourteen, fifteen months as well, not just this season, he's he's carried Villa through right going back from all the way back to sort of February last year when he um he inspired the promotion push and you know, the questions were asked of him, is he good enough to step up and, and be a real force in the Premier League? Well, you know, he, he his performances have shown that and I think he's been brilliant. I think he's pulled Villa through some really tough times. Um obviously he you know, all the stats are in his favour and I think it's worth highlighting some of those statistics because the criticism of him previously was that he didn't score enough goals, he didn't set up enough goals. Um, well, this season, you know, he scored more than he ever has done in any other season and, and, and he had achieved that before the turn of the year. So, yeah. look, it's been a really good season for him. Um, I think it could potentially be his last in, in Villa Colours, which is obviously sad. Um, and you know, You're getting us in trouble, still- Greg. Hopefully Saying there's still that. another chapter to write, but, uh, you know, with 10 games remaining. But, um, no, for me, you know, there is there is no other sort of contender for that player with the Earth Trophy. The only the only other one potentially would be John McGinn if he came back and continued his form from the start of the season. Yeah, I think he's always been very easy on the eye, always a wonderful player to watch. But it's that key thing now that you've talked about, the productivity. I mean, before this season in the Premier League alone, I think he had one goal and one assist. So he's sitting here with seven goals and six assists. 
this this season and obviously we hope he's going to go on and get more before the, before the end of the season if and when fo- football comes back but he, he silenced those doubters and everywhere he goes he, he gets booed by op- opposition fans now which I always think is is a really good sign because people don't boo you if you're rubbish they boo you if you're good Ronaldo when he was at Man U used to get booed every single place that he went in the Premier League and the same thing's happening to Jack now I'm not for one minute suggesting Jack's of Ronaldo's level but you, you know what I'm saying there you don't get booed unless you're a good player and opposition fans respect you and want you. Totally, totally, yeah. And I think that, um, I think also what, what what Jack would have found sort of privately on on his social media is that he's also coming for a lot of praise as well over recent yeah, times. Yeah. And, and and it used to be, when he was in the championship, it was always like Jack Grealish, the diver, Jack Grealish has done this, this and this. Where Whereas now it's it's Jack Grealish is the baller, you know, Jack Grealish, that when, when, when match of the day goes live and... Um, uh, and his goals are shown. There's a there's a sudden spike of of people talking about Grealish because he's done something wonderful on the weekends, and that just shows now um, how he stepped up and and yeah, the people that the people that didn't really know about him now do, and uh, you know that's just a testament to how well he's done this year. Yeah, he's, he's box office now as well. Like, like you say, I think opposition fans have, have come round in the mind to to how good he is now. Just throwing it back to the Athletic Special Awards night on Sunday. How much of a chance do you think he's he's got of getting the actual overall young player of the year for for the Athletic? I think he's got a really good chance, yeah, because he's he's had a, he's had an excellent season. He's certainly the 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 favourite for for me in, in his position. I just think maybe the, one of the forwards, either Tammy Abraham or Marcus Rashford, uh, the two of them have performed exceptionally well as well. So um, you know we will see. Obviously, I'm biased because I see Jack Grealish every week, so he's my choice. But yeah, it's just time. what other people say. <laughs> Yeah, he's got Trent Alexander-Arnold, obviously, who I imagine will be be up there in terms of the voting as well. But the, for any neutral listeners that, that might be listening to this as well, I think I think it's worth saying that you look at the sides that the other players that are nominated are playing for. They're, they're playing in good teams. And with, with all due respect to Villa, this season has been a struggle. If you look at his output, his numbers for, for many things, not even just the things that we've already spoke about. I think his numbers are incredible. His stats are incredible. And I think when you factor in that he's playing for a side struggling at the bottom, I personally think he should win it. Obviously, a little bit of bias from me as well, but I think he's got to win it. Well, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel feel the same, don't I, Dan? I think I watch him every week. I think he's brilliant, so he's my choice, but we'll see what the other voters think. What about your individual young player of the year for Villa as, as well? You, you, we've spoke a little bit about it in previous podcasts, but, but Jacob Ramsey got your vote, didn't he? Yeah, I think I think Jacob Ramsey's had a decent season. Obviously, still on loan at Doncaster, um, and hopefully he'll be able to to see, to see out that loan spell because he scored three goals in six games. Um, he's probably the most advanced teenager at the club now. Uh, the, you know, the closest teenager to, to to progressing into the first team. He's got a little bit of a taste of it this season, um, and I think it was a good move from Villa, sort of sending him out on loan at eighteen years old because. He gets used to men's football early, and that just that will build him up and help his development. So yeah, I'm interested and, and and excited to see how well he could do in the future. Yeah, that was something that obviously happened with Jack as well. He went out early to, to Notts County, scored five goals for them, got involved in men's football, which was really good good for him. Just wanted to finish the kind of Jack Grealish discussion around comparing the two, Jack and Gabby. Do you see Jack's trajectory at the moment of being being the same as Gabby, or do you think he's going to go way way beyond that? Obviously, Spurs have already come in for Jack. We know a few years ago as well. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one to sort of compare because Jack Grealish is the standout player in a in a, in, in a an, an under par Villa team, so to speak. Whereas 
Gabby Agbonahor was a decent player in a very strong Villa team at that time. Um, so it, it's hard. I, I I don't know if if look if Villa need to stay up this season, and and then and then they need to kick on in terms of buying you know players who will take them further up the league. Um, if if they can do that with Jack Grealish alongside them, then brilliant. But I just think that he's going to have to move at some point to show how good he is because you know he's he's 24 years old now and he's never really been in a brilliant team and I think that's just it's almost verging on a footballing tragedy that somebody so good has not been able to fully spread his wings yet so you know it's it's hard isn't it because we all want him to stay at Villa but we can all see how brilliant he is and 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 realise that he deserves to be playing um, at the real highest level. Yeah, well, let's not go on about that too much because we've had a bit of a bit of trouble on social media over the last week of people saying we're shopping Jack to Man U. So we're not trying to do that. We're just trying to be realistic and, and saying that Jack is a level above Villa at the moment or maybe even a few levels above Villa and it's going to be very, very difficult to hold on to him because he is so, so special. Just to finish, Greg, you had a piece out yesterday on Hugo Ekiag. It's been three years since he, he tragically passed. Just wanted to finish talking about him really because it's still something that really really upsets me Hugo I think that hit me the hardest there's been too many deaths of Villa ex-Villa players over the years but this was the one that hit me hardest because he was a true hero for me growing up yeah it was uh it was a, it was a difficult story to write about actually because you know the, the people that I spoke to you know and, and, and there was a fair few that I spoke to all said such lovely things about him you, you push to find anybody who had a bad word to say about him which makes it hard to write a story because it's actually genuinely sad having to write things up like that. Um, yeah, I, I, spoke to, I spoke to his brother, brother Yuzo, who um, was a little bit reluctant at first to, to, to talk because, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an emotional thing to go through, um, you know, your siblings sort of life. But thank you ever so much to Yuzo for, for sharing all the memories because it gave all of our readers and subscribers um the, the opportunity to actually learn a little bit more about Hugo and, and, and what a brilliant, fantastic man he was. Uh, it was very sad because he passed away <clears throat> while he was um, overseeing a, a training session at Tottenham and the Spurs players were so... They, they loved him. They absolutely adored him because he, he genuinely cared about every individual and he obviously had a lasting legacy at Villa because of his of his playing career, but literally wherever he had been, yeah, Middlesbrough, Rangers, um, and and then obviously Tottenham as a coach, everybody loved him. So it was just he was just taken too soon, and it's just it's horrible, really. Yeah, it feels as well like his his coaching career was on the up. It was only going to go in one way, and I actually really think he would have ended up back up at Villa in some capacity at some point. So. It's quite a haunting read yesterday, but as much as you can, I did actually re- really enjoy it because I, I like to read about about people that, that meant a lot to me as, as a child. And Hugo Ekiag, as I say, was an absolute hero growing up. So it's a, a really informative and, and really good piece. And like you say, great to get the personal touch from, from his family as well. I had a brief chat with, with his brother yesterday on messages and he came across a, a great bloke as well. And I think his whole family can be really proud of the legacy that, that Hugo has left behind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to think, you know, in, in the story as well, I mentioned that he, ac- he actually was an accidental footballer. His, his mother and father didn't want him to be a professional footballer, uh, didn't want him to be a footballer initially. They wanted him to go to college and study to be, uh, you know, something like a doctor or an accountant. They, they thought at the time in the, in the late 80s that football wasn't, a, uh, you know, an actual career. So when he moved to West Brom as, as a youngster, 
um, he was told that he had to go to college at the same time. So he was one of the only academy kids that did that. Yet he was one of the only academy kids that also went on to become a high profile player. So, you know, fair play to him. He, he was uh, very ambitious as a player, very ambitious as a coach and just a shame he was taken too soon. Yeah, yeah, real, real tragedy. Thanks ever so much for listening to today's episode of 1874. Thanks as ever to Greg for joining me. Really, really enjoyed talking to him. And thanks to Gabby as well. Always great to hear from a club icon. If you are interested in having a go at winning that famous, famous shirt, then the details of Gabby's NHS Just Giving page will be in the podcast description. If you are enjoying these podcasts, enjoying what we're doing, then if you could leave us a review on iTunes, then that would be absolutely fantastic. Only one thing left to say, up the villa.